together, we talked about becoming a worshipper of God. And then we answered the question, where do I start? You may remember we took Psalm 100 as our roadmap to enter into his presence, into the outer court, the inner court, and then into the Holy of Holies, into the very presence of God. However, we do have an enemy who hates us to worship God. Therefore, today I want to share with you how to overcome some of these roadblocks that you may have encountered. God never hides from you. Hindrances never ever come from God. After all, he's the one that desires your worship. He's not going to try and stop you. So God is very definitely not hiding from you. He has promised to be with you wherever you go. As we see in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5, I will never leave you or forsake you. Matthew 28, 20. Um, Jesus says, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age, forever and ever. You see, God doesn't make it difficult for us to enter into his presence and enjoy that wonderful, sweet fellowship and communion with him. Actually, he's the one who takes the first 999 steps towards us. And then he actually helps us to take that one step that's our responsibility towards him. You see, God longs for intimacy with us far more than we long for intimacy with him. He desires that sweet communion with you as his child. No one else can take your place in his heart. You see, when we understand that God desires us to worship him more than we desire to worship him, we're really halfway there. That's half the battle. So often we underestimate the power of expectation because whatever your expectation is when you come to go into the presence of the Lord, that is partly what you will experience. For instance, if your um, experience in life has been difficulties and problems and you think that God is the one that's putting these upon you, then when you come to uh, enter into the presence of God, you will expect it to be difficult. You will expect that God has put roadblocks in your way. You see, we must approach worship um, from the standpoint of faith. Total reliance and dependence upon the love that God has for you. This is the greatest key to receiving anything from God. Hebrews 11.6 tells us, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Not only must we believe that he exists, but we must believe that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. God is a rewarder of those who will wait upon him, who will wait in his presence. You see, God's very nature is to reward us. Our basic understanding, our basic belief system of God's nature and character truly affects how we receive from him. If our understanding of God is rooted firmly in the New Testament truth and that we see that Jesus fully expressed God when he was ministering upon this earth, we will see that God is the one who wants us to come close to him. You see, when we expect to meet with God, when we expect his presence to come 
upon us and envelop us and embrace us, then we will have the most wonderful times of worship with him. You see, we will expect that great tender love of God to, to just embrace us. We will have a fulfillment of that longing that we have. We will know that God accepts us as we come into his presence. We know that God is full of tender mercy and kindness. And that makes up much more than our inadequacies. You see, if we approach God in a childlike faith, simply believing his word that what he says is true, we will find that we will have these delightful experiences with him. We will find total fulfillment for our heart's desire. We need to focus upon him. As long as we focus on our own human weaknesses and inadequacies and you know, how we fail during the day, we will be defeated. We will be discouraged. We will be hindered in our walk with God. But when you focus your attention upon him and his goodness, his glorious person, his great affection, his tremendous love for you, his unlimited ability to more than make up for your inadequacies, then the only possible outcome is victory and fulfillment. So let us, instead of feeling, oh, well, you know, what's the use of worshipping God? I, I don't feel anything. Let us just expect God to help us to enter in his presence. It would be good to say, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, I ask you to help me to enter in to the presence of my heavenly Father. Help me to love him as he deserves. Help me to listen to his voice. Expect to experience the rewards that he promises in his word for those who seek him. You are a seeker. You are seeking him. Expect to enjoy him. Expect God to enjoy you. You see, I used to think that God loves me, but he doesn't like me. He doesn't really enjoy my presence. But that's a lie from hell. And if ever that has occurred to you or anyone has told you that, that is a lie. The truth is, God loves you. He likes you. He enjoys being in your presence. Now, he doesn't like a lot of things that we do, but he loves you, and he wants you to come close to him. You see, God is looking for worshippers. Let's look at 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro over the face of the earth, so that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. John 4, uh, verse 23. Jesus said, but the time is coming and is already here when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for anyone who will worship him that way. God is looking for worshippers. If he discovers in you someone who is enraptured at being loved by him. You see, often I've heard Christians say, um, oh, yes, I know the Lord loves me, but, you know, I want this fantastic husband. Then I will be really fulfilled. It's kind of denigrating and, and, and not appreciating God's love. He's the creator of the whole universe, and he's 
in love with you. He loves you with a passion. And if we will respond by being enraptured, by being loved by God, and if we respond to his love with love and worshipfully give our hearts to him, we're not going to have to run around seeking God. He will find you. Watch out. There's a flesh about. You see, distractions will come. We have a flesh life. And when you come to worship, you will find you have a flesh life. Because um, your flesh, how can I put it? Your flesh always wants to be comfortable. My flesh does. My flesh always wants to do it its own way, to enjoy itself. My flesh loves to be entertained. Um, and also, when I come to worship, if the phone rings, it's like my flesh is, oh, yes, I've got to answer that phone. I've got to answer the doorbell. Um, I've got to see with the children right now. But there is a way that um, we can overcome these distractions, or a lot of them. Why not take the phone off the hook whilst you're having that time with the Lord? After all, he is worth it. Or if you have children, if you could ask someone to look after them for half an hour whilst you have that precious time with the Lord. Or relatives and friends might be calling. If you explain to them, I need this time alone. And urgent things. There are so many urgent things, aren't there, in our lives. But they take away our energy um, that should really be sent in a mo more important thing, which is worshipping God. And so I know two individuals. They're two ladies, two ladies of prayer. They do not know each other. But both of them, to get peace and quiet, will go into their car that's in the garage. Why do they go there? Because no one thinks of looking for them there and the phone can't ring in the car in the garage. And so... If it's impossible to get peace and quiet inside, go for a walk outdoors, alone, where you can talk to the Lord and listen to him. You can worship the Lord whilst you walk around. He understands. You see, there are two sources of opposition. One is your flesh, which we covered. Um, and part of your flesh is your mind. And then there's the enemy. So, as I said, your flesh always wants to be comfortable. My flesh always wants to be comfortable. And your flesh will say, oh, I'm so tired. I've done this enough. I'm bored. I don't feel anything. I really want to do something else. And as I said, your flesh always seeks comfort, its own way, and to be entertained. We have to be firm with our flesh. Your born-again spirit is in control. We mustn't give our flesh an inch because otherwise it will take a mile. And we must determine that our born-again spirit will be the boss, will be in control, that it will rule over our flesh and our born-again spirit will tell our flesh what to do. Also, your mind. Your mind will also try to take control. Your mind can bombard you with all sorts of thoughts when you come to worship the Lord, things that you ought to do, things that you've totally forgotten about, but now suddenly you feel you have to do them. Uh, I mean, I, f I found this when I'm worshiping the Lord, particularly in church, which is, oh, I left the back door open. Oh, I think I left my curling tongue on. Oh, my, I think the gas is on and I haven't lit it. 
all these crazy thoughts. Oh, I left the back door open. This is your mind bombarding you with these thoughts. And it's trying to distract you from worshipping the Lord. Um, and so when you come to worship the Lord, if there are important things that do come to your mind, write them quickly on a notepad and forget them. Concentrate on the Lord. Because, you see, like a child, our flesh and our minds have to be controlled by our born-again spirit. If you catch your mind wandering, don't come under condemnation like I did. I feel, oh no, I'm such a failure. My mind has wandered. No, 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 don't come under condemnation. Speak to your mind and say, mind, you will honor the Lord. You will worship him. You see, we worship him by faith, not by how I, how I feel. Sometimes we don't feel like we're worshiping the Lord. We don't feel his manifest presence. But he said, I am with you. I will be with you. And sometimes in the past, I've had to do it again and again and again. Say, no mind, you come back. You honor the Lord again and again. But persist. Don't give up. And eventually, you will find that the presence of God comes upon you and dominates. And your mind has to give way and will give way. Now also, we have an enemy who is the devil. The Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren. And he hates for you to worship God. And he will bring all sorts of things that he can to hinder you, to distract you, to spoil your time with the Lord. Don't let him steal your time with God. He may accuse you of not loving God enough. I've had that. You're in the midst of saying, Lord, I love you, I worship you. And this thought comes, you don't love God? Or of... I'm a hypocrite. I'm not really meaning what I'm saying. Yes, you are. You're speaking to the Lord. You're speaking by faith. Of having wrong motives that, oh, well, I only worship God so that I feel better. Don't believe that either. That's the accuser of the brethren. You know, sometimes you may even doubt that God loves you. We know where that comes from, from the pit of hell. God loves you with an everlasting love and a passion that we will probably never comprehend in this lifetime. We may think like this, oh, I do this all the time, I worship God and I never get anywhere. Or others have deep encounters with God, I never do, I never will. Or what's the use in worship? Or I'm never going to experience God like others do. Oh, I'm not in the right spiritual condition to worship God, to have intimacy with God. I don't feel right. These are all things that have come against you to pull you away from worshipping God. Remember this. God is always encouraging you to come closer to him. Always. He is always assuring you that he is there. He is always assuring you that he you can have intimacy with him. He is always reaffirming his deep love and passion for you. It helps to identify the source of your problem. The devil is the one who hates you to worship God. And he bombards your mind with guilt, condemnation, lies, discouragement, and doubt. As we said, he even gets you to question whether God loves you. 
What do you do in response to the devil's onslaught on your mind? Take authority over the devil. He is a liar. You see, Jesus gave all authority to every believer over the power, all the power of the enemy. Let's read Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Jesus says, Behold, look, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. Let's look again at 1 John 4, 4. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. How? Why? Because greater is he, greater is the one who's living in you than he that is in the world. You have the right and the authority to command the enemy to leave your thoughts, your feelings and your presence. In the name of Jesus, stand your ground. Take the name of Jesus. Rebuke. Rebuke the liar. They're trying to come back. Just kick him out again. But don't go overboard, as it were, and concentrate on the devil all the time. You see, really, to keep your focus on the Lord, and the best way to silence the devil is to press in, press in, press in. I remember someone saying to me, um, this is a long, long time ago, you know, people can say nasty things about you and then some sweet person comes and tells you what somebody else has said. Well, my very best friend said, ignore them, dear. So what I'm saying to you is, ignore him, dear. First of all, you, you, know, you rebuke him. If he comes back, ignore him. Press on, press on, press on into the presence of the Lord. You see, as you come into the presence of the Lord, the devil cannot continue his bombardment of you. It's rather like, can ice exist in a flame? No, it cannot. Neither can that evil exist in the presence of God. You know, sometimes you may experience a dry time. You may say, but I used to have wonderful times of worship with the Lord, but now it's so dry. It's not like it used to be. And we can misunderstand and think that those good times will never, ever come back. Oh, yes, they can. You can have those wonderful times of fellowship and communion with the Lord yet again. Why do I know that? Because, you see, God has not withdrawn from you. God is still drawing you to him. He has promised never to leave you, never to forsake you. He's promised to be with you always, even to the end of the world. And God's not confused. God is not schizophrenic. He doesn't say one thing and do something else. He doesn't play hide and seek with us, like try and find me. I want you, but you have to try and find me. God desires you with a greater passion and love that you'll ever, ever really fathom in this life. He gave his very life to redeem you. He sacrificed everything to bring you into his loving arms. He knows you. He knows everything about you. There's nothing you can hide from him. And he loves you, warts and all. He's dealing with the warts, but he loves you. And God is never, ever going to pull his presence away from you. The New Testament is crystal clear. As I've said, God will never forsake you. Full stop. Remember that. God will never pull away from you. We need to understand that, yes, we do have dry times sometimes, but even though we feel dry, 
God is still very near to us. He is not the one who is moved. During these times, it's so important to know that we will again experience the, the, the wonderfulness of God's presence. So many become discouraged, and, and you know the expression, throw in the towel, we just surrender, and like, oh, it's no good. But when we respond in the right way, we can come out of these times quicker, and we will be stronger because the Spirit of the Lord will have strengthened us. We need to believe the Word of God and act like it's true. You see, it's utterly impossible for God's Word to fail. Firstly, meditate in the Scriptures. Claim them as your own in prayer. Remind yourself what God has promised. He has promised to be close to you if you will seek him with all your heart. Keep yourself stirred up and encouraged in the word of God. Matthew chapter 5 verse 6, it says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Isaiah chapter 44 verse 3, for I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. Hold fast to that. God will pour floods of his presence upon the dry ground. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 to 8. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who seeks finds. The one who seeks will find. The one who knocks the door will be opened. Jeremiah chapter 33 verse 3. God says, call on me in prayer and I will answer you. I will show you great and mysterious things which you still do not know about. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 13 to 14. When you seek me in prayer and worship, you will find me available to you. If you seek me with all your heart and soul, I will make myself available to you, says the Lord. And secondly, as we said, keep pressing in. Continue to do what you know to do. Why, why do this? Because this is your way out of the dry period. You know, King David was an experienced worshipper of God. And he wrote many psalms when he was in a hard place. I wanted to read to you part of Psalm 63, verses 1 to 8. He is in a hard place. We can see from the psalm, O oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. This is proof he is going through a dry time. What does he do? He reminds himself, I have seen you in the sanctuary. I have beheld your power and your glory. He reminds himself of those wonderful times that he had with the Lord. Because, verse 3, because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I determine to glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. I will do it. And then this is his faith speaking. Verse 5, my soul shall be satisfied as with the richest foods, with singing lips, with joyful lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed I will remember you. Ah, oh, Lord, you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. 
you will be filled with joy as you press in to the presence of God. God bless you.